heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. Hello and welcome to Healing the Whole Person. I'm your host, Joan McHugh, and I have a wonderful guest today, Father John Calgaro, OFM Conventual. We have in the studio um, some uh, wonderful people. Um, there's Rosemarie, there's Susie, and there's Tom. And um, because we had a computer glitch between Father John and myself, I didn't receive his bio. So I'm going to ask Father if, if you would give your own little bio to introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And, uh, I'm happy to be here to explain to, uh, to everyone, to, to y'all, a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Father John Kilgarrow. I'm a conventional Franciscan priest. And uh, I was born in Rockford, Illinois, not too far from here, July 22nd, 1946. And I went to the local schools there. And uh, graduated from Auburn High School. Then went on to University of Illinois. Along the way, I decided to respond to a uh, calling to religious life, the Franciscan order, into the priesthood. So I entered the division in Lake Forest, Illinois, made my first vows. Then later on, three years later, made my solemn vows, studied uh, philosophy, and my specialty at that time was uh, physics, so I eventually got my degree in physics, Bachelor of Science, and after that, studied theology at Toronto for one year, then after that at our seminary, our Franciscan seminary that we used to have in New York, Rensselaer, New York, and I was ordained May 11th, 1974. So after that, after ordination, I was sent to my home parish in Rockford because I could speak a little Italian. My, my parents, uh, well, my parents were children of Italian parents. Well, my grandparents were Italian descent. Then after that, uh, four years in Rockford, St. Anthony's Parish, I was transferred to to Mexico, and we started a, a mission among the Indians in southern Mexico, and I was there altogether 32 years. Then after that, the provincial in Mexico asked me to come to Texas to help out with the friars there, a big Hispanic parish in Austin, Texas. I was there five years, and after that, Came back to the Midwest. A little, spent a little time, about five months, in our parish, Milwaukee, the Basilica of St. Josephat. Then after that, I'm here, here in Marytown. 
Oh, we're lucky to have you, Liberty of Illinois. We're so blessed to have you, Father. That was beautiful. So you must be fluent in Spanish. Más o menos, I think. I think I can do all right. So, Father, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. There's always more to learn, you know. The the little this the southern little twang you have a little accent is that from Texas is that where is that from? Well, I believe so. You know, I believe so. <laughs> I tell people, you know, I was my God made God God made my body in in Illinois, but he he made my soul in Texas. <laughs> 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 so I I want everybody to chime in as you feel uh, the spirit. Um, I just go by my spirit. So, Father. Um, as a child, did you love the Lord? I mean, the seeds of your vocation were planted early, or how no, do you see that? No, not really, not really. No? I, when I was a kid, I, I, I thought religion was boring, and I didn't want to go to church. Uh-huh. And to be honest, I did not, uh, was not raised in a religious family. Uh, my parents were nominal Catholics. <laughs> I, well, I would say less than nominal. My mother... She had her issues with the church, which was hard to explain, and she wouldn't go to Mass. But my father was always, always eager and ready to go to Mass. And so he would take me to Mass along with my little brother. So we had walked to church at that time. We didn't have a car. So we would walk to church. It was about maybe a little less than a mile to go to church. And that did impress me, though. It made an impression on my mind because he uh, he himself was not that religious a man, but he made a a point that Sunday obligation Mm -hmm. was necessary, that he owed God at least uh, one hour a week to to serve and, and praise and glorify God. So he was very conscious about that. And then we we would go to church, and then we got a car he'd drive. So that was in, made an impression upon me. So, Father, when when you did uh, feel the Lord calling you, what was, what what happened? What what was an inner sense, or was it like your heart was like uh, all of a sudden in love with well, the Lord? You know, to answer that question, I, I I think there's not one single incident. I think it's a series of events series of stages you might say uh, I remember once when I was preparing myself for confirmation and I was 10 years old at the time and the sister who was our catechist assigned us to read a certain section of the Baltimore Catechism we studied the Baltimore Catechism at that time you know. mm-hmm. and it was on the Eucharist and I read that section there that I was assigned to read, and I was impressed. It it uh, how God could uh, be be received under the form of a piece of bread. How God in, in His entirety could uh, be received in body and blood, you know, what we say in the church, body and blood, soul divinity, Jesus Christ, totally, truly, substantially present. How he could be received in a little piece of bread, the host, and uh, it kind of blew my mind. And so I think that was kind of uh, a period of grace mm-hmm. to reflect upon that mm-hmm. attraction to the Eucharist. And then yeah. as I grew up, 
You know, as all kids, you know, they begin to question. And they begin to question the existence of God, kind of rebellious state. But then they got over that, and uh, because denying the existence of God just didn't make sense, really. Mm-hmm. You know, when you really think about it, rationally speaking, denying the existence of God just didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So then later on, I started going to confession. And I think that helped too, discern my vocation by going to confession, to trying to lead, lead a life more close to God, more fervent. And of course, God gives you special graces to discern your, your calling in life. You know, he helps you along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think confession is one of the means that God helps us. And then there was a priest in my, in my parish, uh, uh, the parish of St. Anthony of Padua Parish in Rawford. His, the priest at that time was associate pastor, Father Bernard Geiger. Oh, oh. Okay. we know him. Okay, mm-hmm. well, Very he well. exercised <laughs> a tremendous influence upon me. I was really attracted to his style of life, his commitment to, to, the, to the church and to Christ and his Franciscan spirit. Yes. So I made contact with him as far as discerning more my religious mm-hmm. vocation and then Later on, after one year of college, uh, I decided to apply for application to enter the Franciscan Conventional Franciscan Order. Oh, that's beautiful, mm. Father. And that's how. That's beautiful. More I, or less, uh, the story of my vocation. I don't want to <laughs> hog the microphone, but I'm interested in confession. That's a grace, Father. I f- I feel like you received. I love the sacrament of reconciliation. But what would you say to our young people out there and to everybody listening, how important, how, how we're missing out if we don't go to confession? What is it about confession that is so great? Well, I think the confession makes you humble. You know, uh, the biggest obstacle uh, in the way of our spiritual life and union with God is pride. Pride is the biggest obstacle. In order to knock down that pride, Good, it's a good thing to go to confession. Mm-hmm. We get the graces to be humble. Confession itself is an act of humility. And uh, I think the, the opposition to God among a lot of young people, or any people for that matter, whether they be young or old, is pride. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our young people, millennials, whatever you call them, Generation X, there's pride in their life. And, uh, Would you explain that, Father? What do you mean? Well, they want their their their, their life is is focused on upon themselves, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be uh, any type of vice they might have, smoking, sex, drugs, whatever it might be. That's a life focused upon themselves. I'm wondering about uh, the young people, and they have lost the sense of sin. They don't think that what they do is bad they're comparing themselves and what they do to other people and they think well it's not very much you know I don't really offend God he can't be offended by my little sins well the answer to that question I, I think is very complicated to answer that and I think that's part of the problem of the church in general, the whole concept of sin. 
the whole concept of awareness of sin. It seemed like, yeah, what is sin? What is truth? Each person kind of makes up their own men, their mind. What is sin? What is truth? So if you have that confusion, you know, there's nobody going to accuse themselves of committing a sin. But sin for me is not, maybe not sin for you. This whole idea, situation, ethics, you follow your own conscience, which has been abused, that idea has been abused so much, following your own conscience, justify all kinds of uh, crazy and perverted ideas and behaviors. So I think the church, and I'm not, I'm just, you know, regular old holy priest, a Franciscan priest, but I would have to say the church has to do a much better job in teaching the people of God what is sin and what is truth. And there's been so much faulty teachings going on in the church for a long time. Seems, seems, think, seems, things seem to have broken down mm-hmm. right, right after the Vatican Council, the so-called spirit of the council, which unfortunately many have taken to mean rebellion. Make up your own mind what is good, mm-hmm. what is bad, true or false. And that's not the spirit of the Vatican Council. That's the spirit of the devil mm-hmm. infiltrating the church and confusing many minds. So this is an ongoing problem, and I think, you know, the whole, the whole thing about sin, not just young people, even clergy and bishops and so forth and so on, they're confused too. So, I mean, we have to get back to the basics, what is truth. And... Uh, I think I don't think we can uh, really draw people to the church unless we stand up for the truth, and we inf- we affirm the truth, the church's teachings, long-standing teachings. So, you know, we have things going on in the church right now. You folks are all aware scandals and so forth and so on, and that affects the church and its credibility. And how to regain that credibility? Well, we have to practice what the church has always taught and be faithful to that teaching, mm-hmm. moral and doctrinal teachings. And uh, I remember this past summer, excuse me, not summer, November, November 3rd and 4th, I was able to attend a beautiful conference in Dallas, Texas on faith and family, sponsored by the Catholic Action of Faith and Family. And Cardinal Burke was there, by the way, and real good speakers. And one of the topics was the concept of truth. And the speaker there mentioned, pointed out that there's a confusion about what truth is. This is the fact of the church. And this goes all the way back, if you want to, to the confusion of philosophy back in the middle of the 19th century. Philosophers, Protestants, many Protestants, were, were saying that truth is relative. Truth can change, depending on times, places, and circumstances, and that affected the church. And uh, beginning in 1900, the, modernism 
that infected the church's seminaries and teaching and uh, produced the so-called heresy of modernism. And, and Pope St. Pius X had to come out strongly and, and call that the heresy of all heresies. Mm -hmm. Came out with his encyclical there, 1907, condemning modernism and also the oath, the oath against modernism. And uh, pretty much set the church on the right path. However, there is always an undercurrent mm -hmm. of modernism. <coughs> Never disappeared completely. In fact, even during the time of Pius XII, he kind of had to react against that. And came out with uh, the encyclical Humani Generis, Humani Generis, which in many respects was... Uh, a, re a rebuke of modernism that was trying to creep into the church at that time, affecting the church's teaching of the origin of Adam and Eve, the original sin. And then, but it never went away, modernism. Then it seemed right after Vatican Council, it kept up, you know, creeped up again, raised its head. And there we have it, fighting modernism again. So I think uh, in order to... Uh, to solve a lot of problems and vocations and the uh, religious life and morality and uh, clergy discipline and all that, I think we have to reject the tenets of modernism in however form or circumstance they, they appear and reaffirm, reaffirm strongly the teachings, the church on doctrine and morality. And Absolute so, truth. So what this is translating in in my mind is that there seems to be a, a a spirit of relativism in the church today even way even among the the clergy even at the Vatican well it's true well it's true you know why because a lot of these priests and bishops were formed in seminaries whose teachings were faulty mm -hmm. you know they were infiltrated by modernistic, modernistic teachings there in their seminaries. So that's how they were formed. They were formed in a, by a faulty manner. So when they eventually ordain and be, or become even ordained uh, bishops, it's, it's very likely that they pass on those faulty teachings. So uh, if the bishops and hierarchy are partly confused, well, you can imagine what's going to happen to lay people. Well, this even in, in impacts the Eucharist, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and, um, you know, uh, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, ev anything goes type yep. philosophy. It affects every, everything. All doctrine, all morality, it'll affect every aspect of the church's teaching on faith and morals. So your question about what is truth, that is really key here, yeah. that for each one of us. I think in order for the church to overcome the crisis it's in, it has to resolve the issue of what is truth. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do that, Father? Realize <laughs> How in the world is that going to happen? <laughs> well, I think, I think it was being done for a while with uh, Pope uh, John Paul II. God Paul II, St. John Paul II, and uh, Benedict XVI. However, now with the present Pope, there's a confusion. Things mm -hmm. 
the doctrinal aspects of the church seems kind of muddy, you know. It's, uh, mm-hmm. One hand, there's orthodoxy, and on the other hand, there's confusion, so mm-hmm. you don't know exactly where, mm-hmm. where the situation stands. Um, there has to be a clarification. My, my heartache is that people are going to just disregard or, or leave the sacraments. Le- I, I, I will never leave the sacraments. I will never leave the sacraments and the Eucharist and the reconciliation and the sacrament of matrimony. They're all gifts from God. So how can we promote and, and encourage people to, s- to see the truth in the gifts God has given us in the sacraments and yet rebel against the, you know, the error that is spreading like wildfire among teaching, among doctrine, doctrinal teaching? Well, you know, you're asking a person that uh, really not qualified as uh, as one politician said. That's beyond my pay. <laughs> oh, Father! <laughs> Maybe whatever he said. Pay right. Anyway, I do believe the church must establish some institution of credibility. Mm-hmm. There has to be accountability and a credibility. And I think the church as a whole has getting has gone away from that. You know, I, w- I don't want to sound extreme, but I think maybe extreme measures are necessary. Do you know, right after the Protestant Reformation, the church had to come out strongly and find the teacher's, church's teachings mm-hmm. in order to protect the church to establish the Roman office, holy office, the Roman Inquisition, which is a way of supervising what was being taught in the church. Mm-hmm. If it's orthodox or not. The book said it had imprimatur, nihil obstat, things of that sort. And now we've gone away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, people, this bishop can teach something, this priest can teach something, and well, people are confused. Even some of the priests and bishops themselves are confused. Which way they go? Yes, Father. And so you need to have a central organization that is, makes accountable, makes the, whole, the, makes the church accountable for all its actions and teachings. And that would be the Vatican, wouldn't it be, Father? Well, it would have to be in the Vatican. And the catechism. Yeah, I would think so. And the catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And so, so. Father, we have, with eight seconds left, we're going to wind up uh, this part of the show, and we'll pick up right where we left off, Father. That's a very important um, avenue to pursue. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. The Rosary Lariat by Gary, made by Gorelli of Italy, is a new rosary created to further inspire this devotion. To further support this rosary, a discount card with terrific restaurants has been made available at rosarylariat.com. The proceeds from the cards will help continue growing this beautiful line of rosaries. More information can be found at rosarylariat.com. That's R-O-S-A-R-Y-L-A-R-I-A-T.com. 
Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hello, I am Bishop Alberto Rojas, one of the auxiliary bishops in Chicago. Anything that has to do to bring in the message of salvation, bring in the message of Jesus in any way, but especially through the radio, through the media today, as we advance how media has evolved so fast, not only through the radio, but through all kinds of ways, especially with the computers and phones. And this is unbelievable. I think it's very important that we use these means of communication to also bring the message of salvation, the message of Jesus through the world. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. It's the laity. Hello and welcome back. So we're talking to Father John Kilgaro, Franciscan priest who is at Marytown in Libertyville, Illinois. I'm your host, Joan McHugh. We're at WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. And by the way, folks, we had someone write in. Uh, we have some guests here, too. I'm sorry, Tom and Susie and Rosemary. We had someone write in that she discovered WSFI on the radio while trying to find a classical music station. And she started listening, and now she listens to Catholic Radio every day. And WSFI have given me hope and have helped me in an unexpected and an amazing way. I thought I'd just give WSFI a little plug. Very encouraging. So isn't that nice? <laughs> mm -hmm. So we, uh, we, we welcome your, your endorsements. Father, you were saying we need real leadership. Do you think we're going to get it? Well, I really don't know, but we need to pray for it. Yes, That's Father. why we need to pray. Yes, Father. We need to pray very hard and uh, pray especially to our Blessed Mother and uh, the Rosary and all the Marian devotions. Yes. She's the mother of the church and uh, mediatrics of all graces so that uh, I'm sure... And God's divine wisdom, divine providence, is a solution along the road up ahead. So I don't think we, 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 we can't lose hope. Yes. We can't lose hope. Yes, you know, we can never lose hope. I know some Catholics, you know, they, uh, they despair. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I think you mentioned, some don't want to go to church or left the church. Some converts, they're thinking about entering the church. They don't want to enter because they see what's going on in the church. And well, I think we have to give hope to all, to all our people mm -hmm. and realize that uh, in the end, our Blessed Mother has crushed his head. That's beautiful, He's crushed his head. Father, you have a devotion to Our Lady. I know you do. 
have you always had that devotion? How did that start, or can you tell us about it? Well, I'll tell you an interesting story that happened to me when I was 14 years old. And uh, I, one day I couldn't walk for some strange reason. I just couldn't walk. And uh, so I had to be dragged home. And uh, something with my knee, I guess, I just couldn't walk. My knee, and my, my right knee, my right foot. And I didn't want to miss school. I didn't want to miss school. I was, you know, I was very conscientious of going to school and attending the classes. I didn't want to miss a day of school. So my mom was going to call the doctor the next day. And so I slept on the, the living room sofa and because my, my bedroom was upstairs, second floor. So at that time, I began to have devotion to a lady recite a rosary. So I said, I trust in our Blessed Mother that she will make it through so that I can go to school the next day. I won't miss any, any classes. So I said my rosary that particular night, and then I wrapped it around my foot. <laughs> I wrapped it around my foot. <laughs> I <love that. laughs> and uh, so I woke up the next morning, and the rosary was off to the side. I, during the night, I probably uh, Knocked it tossed off. it off. But you know what? I could walk. I could walk. Wow. Hmm. And so I told my mom, says, I can walk. You don't need to call the doctor. I said, I'm going to go to school. So that was a sign of uh, the Blessed Mother's care for me. Beautiful Father. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I Beautiful Father. reaffirmed my devotion to the Blessed Mother and also uh, the recitation of the Rosary as the most powerful prayer. So I, I do believe, as so many uh, saints have said and also Holy Fathers of the Church have said, that the rosary after the Eucharist is probably the most powerful prayer that we have in the church. Yes, Father. And you also had some guidance from Our Lady at one point. You were discerning (laughs) something. Well, that's another sign, I would say miraculous sign, that the the Blessed Mother gave me. Uh, Our provincial at that time, Father Anselm Brahm, wanted to start a mission in Mexico among the Indian people. And he asked me if I wanted to go, because he knew that I was interested in Hispanic ministry, because I had been down in Mexico, northern Mexico, for three summers helping missions, popular missions in the villages in the rural parts of northern Mexico, Matamoros and Ciudad Victoria. So he asked me if I would want to start a mission there in in Mexico, working among uh, the Indians, Mexican, pre-Hispanic Indians. You know, Mexico has a a large pre-Hispanic Indian population, about 20%. A lot of people don't know that. So he said, think about it. So one day, I was at at the feast day celebration of one of our priests. It was on the feast day of St. Vincent de Paul. And we were all together in the dining room, 
And after our prayers, we got up and said prayers of thanksgiving. I noticed there was a lump underneath my shoe. And I said, what's that lump doing there? What did I step on? So after prayers, I stepped down, and there was a medal of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Would you believe? <laughs> and so I asked the friars there, does this better belong to any of you? No, we never saw that medal. I asked the cook. And she said, no, I never, we never saw, that's not my medal. I never saw that medal. So the next day, I asked the housekeeper if she knows anything about this medal. And I asked her, do you, do you know anything about this medal? No, i never seen that medal. And then I said, well, it was, it was under my foot. I stepped on it during, during our, our meal. And he said, well, that's strange. Just before the friars came in, I swept the floor clean, knowing that you were going to have your dinner together. So how did it get there? How did that medal get there <laughs> underneath my foot? Great story, Father. So Our Lady is very real, and she does answer you, us. Well, it was a sign that she wants me to, to, uh, to serve in Mexico. He wants to use my feet to walk <laughs> and spread the gospel. <laughs> Two times. <laughs> right. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so you did go to Mexico then? I did, yes. For Father An Father. Yeah, Anselm. that was uh, the Feast of St. Vincent Paul is in September, right? Right. And so the following March, I went with our provincial to visit various places that the bishops offered us and wanted us to help, and they were all Indian places. And so we picked the one that I thought was the poorest, and that was the, uh, the area, uh, the place called Tlacuachi Slovaka Guerrero. <laughs> Can you spell that, Father? Anyway, so we uh, we we decided our friars voted in provincial to have a m mission established in that area, and so there were two of us that went down. You probably know the other friar real well, Father Brother Pascal Metzger. Oh, of course, sure. yes. yeah. we went down together. We drove down. We loaded up uh, this GMC Jimmy and uh, with a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and went down to the village. And we started our presence there. And then later on, our, our presence grew to another place nearby, about eight miles away, eight miles, ten miles away, called Solchislovaka. And altogether, I was there 32 years. Amazing, mm. Father. Amazing. So, do you have a question, Rosemary? So, uh, talking about Our Lady and the Rosary, how how can we, I love the Rosary now, and in fact, I'm in the middle of a 54-day Rosary Novena, oh. 27 days in petition and 27 days in Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Our Lady promised um, a woman in Italy, I believe, uh, her, who's, I believe now, I don't have my facts straight, whose daughter was dying, or, and if, if she said this rosary, 27 days in petition and 27 days in thanksgiving, she should do that. And she did that, and then the daughter was healed. I think I've got it right, but it was someone was healed who was gravely ill. And so I'm very devoted to, to that uh, devotion uh, for various reasons, my grandchild and, 
and you all have your and Tom, we we all have our our needs but our lady promises us and so i count on that the rosary is difficult for many father how how can we how can we tell share with people how to how to begin to love the rosary how what's an easy way to do that how can we excite people about the rosary it's difficult well I, I, it's difficult in many respects I think discipline mm-hmm. concentration but I think the first step is try to convince people on a and necessity of prayer of praying you know you you can't promote the rosary if people don't value prayer in itself yes yes you have to convince people it's necessary to pray explain to them the beauty of prayer so talk about that father tell us the beauty of prayer well you know it's like having a 24 7 phone line with god (laughs) that's (laughs) great (laughs) that's so great so uh, it, prayer gives you the sensation and the realization that God is so close to us. So I think that beautiful aspect of prayer, you know, we can talk to God and listen to him. And, of course, he's not going to speak to us in, in verbal ways, mm-hmm. but he does speak to us by moving our heart. Mm-hmm and our emotions in mind. That's how God speaks to us. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, uh, it's it's necessary to emphasize this necessity of prayer. Sometimes people come to realization of prayer when they're in deep crisis, mm-hmm. you know. It's a utilitarian reason, but anyway, it's a valid one. God helps us in our need. And he wants us to, to seek his help when we are, are in need. Mm-hmm. So... So he does move our heart, Father. Is that the main way he speaks to us, you feel? Well, I think so, because you're not going to get a, a verbal answer from God, mm-hmm. except in a very extreme situation, right, you know. Right. <laughs> and like, for example, that, that Jewish uh, convert, you know? Yes. That's going to come pretty soon. Yes, he'll ahead. be on the program at so the end he, of he got it straight from January. The, you know, verbal message. Now, very few people are like him. And so God implants ideas in our mind. That's his way of speaking to us. Mm-hmm. Implants inspires our mind and heart to certain things. And I think that's how I discovered my vocation in a certain aspect. Mm-hmm. God moved me towards the Franciscan order mm-hmm. through other human instruments that came up came across my path that God sent. And I do th- believe that God does send signs to tell us his will. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that miraculous medal that yes. my lady Guadalupe to yes. me, yes. that was a sign with his, his will, that's for sure. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. And I do believe that if you ask God for a sign in prayer, he will send it to you somehow. But you have to know how to read the sign, discern the sign. Mm-hmm. And I have a... A lot of people know a a great love for scripture. And I feel like uh, one of the beautiful ways to pray the rosary is the scripture rosary. And uh, it's those little booklets are available in many Mm -hmm. places. Uh, They can be ordered, I'm sure, on like Amazon.com, although I've never done it that way. But if you go to any 
Christian uh, Catholic bookstore, they have them. Mm -hmm. But they really take you through each decade, and um, it's a very, they're very orderly and inspiring and help us focus on the mystery. Because I, I get distracted. I yes. am yes. very distracted in prayer, yes. uh, not only the rosary. So I need a touching point. And uh, what better touching point than the the uh, scripture rosary? Um, I have to say, my husband had all 150 scriptures for every Hail Mary memorized. What? And he, yes, and so he could go through any rosary, and and it was so beautiful to pray the rosary with him, because you know he just uh, it, it just flowed. It was a story. Amazing. As it went through, as we went through each decade. So the glorious, the yeah. uh, joyful, yeah, the joyful, and the oh, sorrowful yes, mysteries. Yes, right. He, uh, he was working on the luminous, I think, when he passed away. Yeah. But, um, it, was, it was very, very beautiful. And um, so I think I would encourage people mm, who feel thing. they need an impetus mm-hmm. um, that uh, you can just hold this little book in your hand mm-hmm. yes. and go yes, through yes. it. And, uh, what a great idea. Our, our lady does. Yeah. Uh, she responds. You have something, Tom? Use oh, it, no, Tom. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yes, that's inspiring to yeah, me because right. I get very distracted. I'm thinking of everything I have to do in the day. Me and too. Well, where I'm going to the grocery <laughs> store. Yes. And yeah. Because there, there's a certain monotony. Yes. It, yes. Uh, and um, so I think, you know, people say, oh, I don't get too much out of it. But actually, it's not what we get out of it. True. It's what we give to it. That's beautiful. And so Susie. when you give... Uh, you get, uh, but you give you know an effort to be more devoted and focused. It'll come back. That's to you. awesome, Rosemary. Our our parish has a <coughs> scriptural rosary before mass. Yes, which some people find a little too long, but I think if you give it a chance, it'll sink in better and mm-hmm. keep you from distractions. Right. Can you share what parish, Rosemary, do you feel? St. Joseph in Liberty Bell. Yeah, right. wonderful. It is. It's very beautiful. That's inspiring. They do that and the Divine Mercy Chaplet before Mass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Father, in terms of this open phone line to God, are you on it all day? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. He's on. <laughs> <laughs> So how does that work? Do you set aside? Probably time? says I haven't heard from you in a long time. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> I love that image. I just love it because he is always there. So do you set aside time, Father? How do you? How does one do well, this? Well, you know, I, I think if you want to grow in a spiritual life, you have to have a scheduled scheduled prayer. Mm-hmm. It can't be something you know, a spur of the moment sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You got to schedule prayer. Yes. You gotta have prayer time. Mm-hmm. You get priority time to God. Yes, Father. Every day. Yes. So Father. you set aside. This is what I'm gonna say. Certain my rosary, my divine mercy chaplet. Mm-hmm. This is time I'm gonna do my spiritual readings. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I think without without a schedule prayer life, you, you're not gonna mm-hmm. grow spiritually. And uh, you have to set a set a or arrange it in such a way you won't let distractions get in the way right father. so the best time is early in the morning yes mm-hmm. early in the morning or late at night 
No, I, I, I prefer you. The major part of your pressure be early in the morning. <laughs> get it done with. You Otherwise, you wait later on the, in the day. You won't, you'll miss it. Yes. You'll find some distraction yeah. to get in the way. Fall asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have a, 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 a different routine. It's like I've, I love a fireplace and a fire. And so I've taken to lighting the fire for my prayer time. Somehow yeah. it's like God is in the fire. I don't know, if, but I feel like he's there, I'm there, the fire, me and God. So I'm looking for, I'm beginning to think about getting a, a condo moving out of my house. And But this one condo I saw doesn't have a fireplace. Mm. So guess what? They told me that you can go and you can find electric fireplaces. I have one. You do? Yeah, it's very realistic. Is it? And you can even get a noisemaker to make it sound oh. like <laughs> the logs are crackling. So I so went to see <laughs> one today, uh. and I it does look like a real fireplace. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought, well, then I could have put it in the living room, and I could have my... And you can even get heat from it. And there's heat. It blows out heat. Yes, I have that, yeah. Do you really, Susie? Yes, I do. But you know, another thing I was going to suggest, too, a lot of people have computers and iPads and iPhones, and uh, Google must think I'm nuts because of all the things I search for are always about God. (laughs) But one of the things I go to a lot is Marytown on Google, just Marytown, and you scroll down, and it says Chapel Live Stream. You click on that, and you have 24-hour live Eucharistic adoration on your Susan. phone, on your iPad, on your t- computer, anytime you want. You can take it with you. I have a little holder I'm going to have in my car. I'll have it right there wow. mounted while I'm driving along. I'll be driving along with Jesus. How and beautiful. It is really. Um, I wish you all could see it. It's the most beautiful picture of Marytown right. with the monstrance. Uh, Colby what yeah. is it? Yeah. Col- ColbyShrine.org. Or just Marytown. You scroll Marytown. Just Google just Marytown. Marytown. That's all One I word. put in, yeah, and just search that, and uh, you have Eucharistic Adoration anytime you want, day or night. Susie, that's beautiful. 24 hours, 7. Susie, you're such an evangelist. Uh. You're, just, you're in the right place here, <laughs> <laughs> sharing your all your goodness and your oh, love of the Lord. Thank you. Really. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a hard well, job. Well, you all are. You're all wonderful, especially Father. Thank you, Father, for your your stories and your faith and your vocation. And, um, well, thank you. We, we love you. 32 years well, in Mexico. You people yeah. are very nice. No, God really. It's always nice to be people that are really com- committed to yes, God and Father. to His church and to Blessed Mother. Well, we're like family. We it's are an family. inspiration to me. We are family. And so, Father, we usually conclude the show with um, prayers um, for people. And, you know, I only have one email here, and it's kind of long, so I can't read it. But if you all want to join in t- for prayers for what prayer request. We have one minute. So this lady wrote she wants to remain anonymous. She's trying to meet uh, someone to have a relationship. So we're going to ask for our prayers for her. She doesn't, she wants to have a, a I, I think, a, a marriage and a family. So we're, we want to pray for this lady. And are there, and my, I always pray for my granddaughter, mm-hmm. Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um, and are there any other prayers here? I know we Tom, have, have for Tom. Here. My granddaughter is applying to colleges and her family has no money. So luckily she 
scored very high on her ACT, but and she's getting replies. Father, could you just say a prayer? We only have a few seconds left. Dear the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, look with, with kindness and mercy upon your children here in prayer. We ask you to answer the prayers we offer you, the intentions we ask you, in the in the in this in the sureness of your love and mercy. And grant all our necessities and prayers. We ask this in the name of your beloved Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.